0: Tomorrow's World Magazine, December 2022, A Uniquely Special Throne by John Meakin, read by Dylan King. How remarkable that the last official duty of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II at her Scottish home of Balmoral Castle was the appointment of her 15th Prime Minister, Liz Truss, following the resignation of Boris Johnson. The queen, at age 96, had seemed frail, but was still her usual bright, friendly self, and determined to carry on with her duties. Yet two days later, on Thursday afternoon, September 8th, the suddenness of her death caused shockwaves across the nation and around the world. Well-laid plans for her funeral and the official transfer of powers to her son and heir, Charles, were immediately put into action. After a lifetime spent preparing for just this moment, Charles was now king, head of state, head of the Church of England, and head of the Commonwealth. Eleven days of mourning and detailed preparations culminated with the Queen's funeral on September 19th, a dry, still, and sunny day with large crowds assembled all along the funeral route to see the procession and to show their silent appreciation and respect for a much-loved monarch. After the funeral service in Westminster Abbey, a procession continued on foot around St. James Park, along the Mall, and past Buckingham Palace before proceeding by car to Windsor Castle for her interment with other deceased members of her family. Many millions across the country and Commonwealth, indeed a worldwide audience, were able to share in the funeral proceedings through extensive media coverage. One need only read a few of the many media outpourings about the Queen to conclude that she was a highly respected and special lady. How did this come about? Elizabeth became the heir apparent in 1936 at age 10, and her parents began a program to prepare her for that role. Her teenage years coincided with the hardships and privation of the war years, during which the steadfast and dutiful example of her father, King George VI, had a powerful and effective influence on her. Anglican leaders taught the young princess about service, duty, example, and keeping her word. At the height of her coronation service, they explained she would be appointed before God as queen, consecrated by her oath to fulfill her responsibilities. All this built into Elizabeth a steely resolve to put her heart into faithfully serving her peoples as their queen. In her seventy years of public office, the second longest of any monarch, never did she deviate from the values she believed God had given her to follow even as society around her inexorably changed. We would all do well to remember some important statements she made during her reign. They reveal a person deeply and passionately committed to serving all those who looked to her as queen. In addition to reviewing several reasons why so many viewed her as special, we will recognize something exceedingly special about the very throne that she occupied. The Windsor dynasty in London is the leading royal house in the world today. Yet the throne it occupies has surprising biblical roots with enormous prophetic implications for the years ahead. It is a throne destined to take on even greater worldwide significance because of a future occupant who will reign over the entire world. Selfless Devotion to Duty the Queen was much loved because of her selfless devotion to duty. She kept her word and fulfilled her early pledge and lifetime commitment to serve her subjects at home and abroad throughout her life. Clearly, her heart was in all she did. She believed it was what God wanted of her and had prepared her to do. In a speech on her coronation day in 1953, she promised, quote, I have in sincerity pledged myself to your service as so many of you are pledged to mine throughout all my life and with all my heart I will strive to be worthy of your trust." End of quote. During her first televised broadcast of 1957 she said, quote, "I cannot lead you into battle. I do not give you laws or administer justice, but I can do something else." I can give you my heart and my devotion to these old islands and to all the peoples of our brotherhood of nations. End quote. For many alive today she was the only monarch they had known, loved and appreciated as an essential, seemingly permanent backdrop to their lives. She gave us her heart, and in return we gave her our love and loyal support. In death, that love is expressed as grief, as she herself said, quote, grief is the price we pay for love, end quote. Truly, it could be said of the queen that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. That's Proverbs 29 and verse 2. Enjoyment on the job. What was abundantly apparent to those around the queen was that she thoroughly enjoyed her service as head of state head of the Church of England, and head of the Commonwealth. She was unfailingly friendly, with a ready smile. She was modest, down-to-earth, and humble, with a refreshing, infectious sense of humor that could be seen in the James Bond skit she performed at the 2012 London Olympic Games, seeming to parachute into the stadium and her famously sharing afternoon tea at Buckingham Palace with a virtual Paddington Bear in June of 2022. She loved meeting people and seemed to be ideally suited by temperament, training, strong constitution, and good health for the arduous roles she fulfilled. She grew into her roles and carried them off with aplomb that garnered respect and high praise for all she did for her country and the commonwealth. She personified the attitudes of tolerance and fairness across all peoples in the United Kingdom. She globalized the British monarchy by her use of broadcast media and personal visits to over 100 countries during her reign. Some would say that, at the peak of her fame, she was the most recognizable woman alive. Building the Commonwealth At a time when the old British Empire was crumbling— The Queen began to nurture the Commonwealth from its initial seven countries into the family of 56 nations it has grown into today. The Queen was the essential glue that held the Union and the Commonwealth together for over 70 years, a formidable performance by any standard. Her understanding of leadership was simple yet profound. over the years, I have observed that some attributes of leadership are universal and are often about finding ways of encouraging people to combine their efforts, their talents, their insights, their enthusiasm, and their inspiration to work together. End quote from a speech by the Queen at the United Nations General Assembly, 2010. Royal UK, July 6, 2010. She embodied this same thinking and had a knack for bringing peoples together and unifying them. Abiding Religious Faith The queen was a woman of abiding religious faith who said that her faith in God was, quote, the anchor of my life, end quote. In a 2002 broadcast, she said, quote, I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad, end quote she became at her coronation the head of the church of england and thereby inherited a papal title first given to the english monarch henry the eighth defender of the faith but in reality she became the defender of all britons whatever their faith her religious beliefs was that of a whole-hearted anglican an increasingly rare thing to find in a multicultural and secularizing britain Yet, she believed that her civic duty extended to all her subjects, regardless of whether they embrace other faiths or had none at all. The transformation of Britain into a multi-ethnic society that unfolded throughout her reign required patience and great skill to make everyone she met feel valued. This took considerable diplomatic ability, as well as tolerance that was almost universally appreciated. Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of the U.K., applauded the Queen as one of the great unifying forces of Britain today. Summing up his view of the Queen's contribution, he reflected, quote, Hers has been the quiet heroism of service, and in an age of self-obsession, she has been a role model of duty, selflessly and graciously fulfilled, end quote. From the Times, May 31st, 2012. The Queen's approach to life was refreshingly simple and straightforward. Quote, Every day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. End quote. Courage and Resilience Through Trials. She faced trials and hardships with courage resilience and an indomitable spirit being queen for so long was never going to be smooth sailing but her trials and challenges were oftentimes very public for the entire country to observe and take note of how she managed all families go through periods of crises and royalty is no exception the queen and her husband dealt with royal weddings royal divorces and royal deaths perhaps most notably the untimely death of Princess Diana and the assassination of Lord Mountbatten. Windsor Castle, a family home, partially burned down in 1992, a year difficult enough to be dubbed her honest horribilis, Latin for horrible year. Because of the public offices she held, national and even international trials became her trials to comment on and opportunities for her to provide hope and encouragement for a better tomorrow, as she did so memorably during the COVID-19 pandemic lockdowns. She said, quote, we should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again, end quote. From the Queen's broadcast to the UK and Commonwealth, royal.uk, April 5th, 2020. As she broadcasts in 2008, quote, When life seems hard, the courageous do not lie down and accept defeat. Instead, they are all the more determined to struggle for a better future, end quote. Where did her inner strength and resilience come from? The answer in part came in her comments on the seventy fifth anniversary of the D Day landings in twenty nineteen, "The wartime generation-my generation-is resilient." But more than that, what gave the Queen strength as she grew older was her family upbringing, her husband Philip, and her relationship with God as she understood him. Here is the way the Queen expressed it: None of us can slow the passage of time, and while we often focus on all that has changed in the intervening years, much remains unchanged, including the gospel of Christ and his teachings, end quote. That's from Queen Says None of Us Can Slow the Passage of Time, as Edward delivers her poignant message, ITV.com, November sixteenth, twenty 2021 ultimately in life the only enduring thing left for all of us is our relationship with god just as our queen believed the teachings of the bible have not changed all we have to do the hard part is apply them to our lives part of that gospel is this honor all people love the brotherhood fear god honor the king first peter 2 verse 11 the way out of all our national and personal problems is contained in the gospel of Christ and his teachings. God will give us his strength if we ask for it, and if we will live the way of life he wants us to follow. The Biblical Throne of David. Finally, what is the surprising biblical aspect to the Queen's throne? Those who study history carefully in the light of biblical prophecy will recognize that the throne of the British monarch can be traced back to the throne of the biblical king David. Because David was a man after God's own heart, Acts 13 and verse 22, God established his covenant promise with David that his throne would be established forever, 2 Samuel 7 verse 16, Psalm 89 verses 3 and 4 and verses 28 through 37. Meaning that his lineage would never cease to be. In context, Psalm 89 is clearly describing both his lineage and its establishment in every generation. God compares the likelihood of this covenant failing with the cessation of natural order of days and nights that he appointed, something that has never ever happened. Jeremiah 33, verses 17 through 22 the scriptures show that ultimately forever can only indicate jesus christ the returning christ is prophesied to occupy the throne of david and reign over the entire earth isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 luke 1 verses 32 and 33 and acts 2 verses 29 and 30 What this means is that in every generation, from King David's to this day, there have been descendants of David's bloodline available to reign on the Davidic throne. That lineage would never cease, die out, or be cut off. Importantly, this shows that Jesus, the Messiah, could only inherit David's throne if he was literally born of David's lineage. The two biblical genealogies of Christ clearly show this to be the case. His legal descent goes back to David via Solomon, Matthew 1, verse 6, while his blood lineage via his mother goes back to David through Nathan, another of David's sons, Luke 3, in verse 31. So what do we know about David's lineage? Do we see any evidence that it exists today? Look no further than the throne currently established in London. It reliably dates back to Edward I in 1296 A.D., dates before that to the Scottish lineage of kings, and then stretches back into the mists of time to the kings of Ireland. Importantly, all these monarchs were said to be crowned over a stone that today is called the Stone of Destiny, or Stone of Scone, also referred to as Jacob's Pillar Stone. All this should cause us to even more strongly value and respect this ancient and exceedingly special throne, which has survived and prospered under our special queen's 70-year tenure. It may yet seem to fail in its British manifestation. It has seemed to fail several times already throughout its long and eventful history. But God will always honor his covenant promise, and the Davidic dynasty will always prevail in some form. And when the glorified Jesus Christ comes to the earth to establish God's kingdom over all of it, he will occupy that glorious throne forevermore, a throne that God promised to preserve in every generation throughout history. If you would like to know more, and there is so much more to relate, request our free booklet, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy, from our regional office nearest you, or read it online at tomorrowsworld.org. It may just cause you to radically alter your perspective on life and what is prophesied to happen in the years ahead. Might we suggest ordering this booklet, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy? Discover the prophesied fate of Western civilization. Request this free printed booklet from the regional office nearest you or order it at tomorrowsworld.org. PDF, EPUB, and Kindle are also available, and there's also an audio recording available at your special request.